Hey guys, welcome to our podcast at the Clemson Foothills Church. We're glad you're here. Join us as we discover what the Bible says about Jesus loving God and serving each other. Feel free to visit our website at clemsonfoothills.com and find us on Facebook at Clemson Foothills Church. At CFC, we're just a group of people following Jesus and helping others do the same. So hopefully this podcast will be useful to you. Now let's dive into the episode for this week. and we're just going to kind of get ourselves locked in. Uh, we've had some great things this, this morning already. Um, what, what I would really love for us to do right now is just to have some time uh, praying where you are alone, right, in your own kind of heart. Um, and really, my, what, what I would ask you to pray is that you hear Jesus. Uh, what I would ask you to pray is that you pray for the Holy Spirit to open your ears and, and your heart. Right? Because that's really what this is coming down to when we're opening up God's Word. It isn't going to be just this fancy kind of sermon that you know perfectly hits every need that you have. Right? It's really we're depending on the Holy Spirit to open our ears, to open our eyes, to give us courage to take steps forward. So let's take a second and um, go ahead and pray right where you are, and then we will continue from Father, this morning as we open your word, I pray, uh, Father, that you help us to to see your big picture, Father, to see that your your narrative to us, God, is consistent from front to back. Father, help us to see and not lose sight of these big themes that you have taught us through your word, God, that you are a perfect uh, creator, Father, that you are perfect in love, that you uh, that you choose your people and you walk with your people, Father, that you have uh, prepared your people for Jesus to come. And now, Father, we're being called to follow him. Uh, please equip us and give us courage to do that. And Father, I pray above all that we love well. Uh, Father, help us not to define that term on our own, but on your terms, on your uh, it, the way you define love, God. And um, just thank you. Let us hear from you today. We pray this in your name. Amen. So you can turn to 1 Corinthians 14. Uh, we're going to be starting right in there. Um, as if, if you're just visiting for the first time, we have gone, we've been going through every single chapter. We've methodically been going through 1 Corinthians, right? Our, our theme for the year is renew, uh, of this idea of spiritual renewal. And we all need that every, every single day, right? There are some things that go on in our days that just... It can kind of destroy and, and tear us up, and, and over time that can happen as well. And we need renewal, and uh, you know, everybody's kind of at a different place. Like how much renewal is necessary? Has there been neglect for a long period of time? You're just like, man, I need a, a huge level of renewal. Or it's one of those things where it's just like, man, each day I'm just trying to, you know, be renewed spiritually. That's what we're talking about, and we're looking at the Corinthians, okay? These were an actual people. So when you have your Bible, oftentimes we, we don't know what those titles even mean. Like when we read 1 Corinthians, we're like, well, what is a Corinthian? Right? And it's really important that we know who is this written to. All right? And, uh, and it's really important to understand that these were actual, like real people in real places at real times. They're actual historical people. This isn't, you know, sometimes it's really easy when we open our Bible because 
we've oftentimes been taught about the Bible from an entertainment perspective, right? From our media and from, you know, veggie tales and all these things. And, and, and it's really tough because we, we, we forget that we have to lock in and go, these are our brothers and sisters. These are our brothers and sisters in Christ that lived in Corinth that were, were really, this is the first church there that Paul planted. Paul lived in Corinth with them for 18 months. All right, this isn't something like he just went through town and kept going. He knew the brothers and sisters there. And so as we look into this, one of the things that becomes difficult, though, as we're kind of going through a section at a time, is you, you, we can easily focus on like this one section and we forget like this greater narrative that's been passed along. And so here's one of the things that's imperative that I would ask you to be doing in your spiritual training is to be able to tell the story of 1 Corinthians. If somebody were to come up to you and say, hey, give me the three-minute story of 1 Corinthians, that you could walk through chapters 1 all the way into 14, and we'll ultimately go to 16. But could you do that? Do you feel comfortable talking about that? Right? that that's so imperative to what we're doing. So vital that we understand not just this section right here, and we hope it says something for us, but that we see this, this larger picture. Because remember, as Paul wrote this, he was addressing a congregation of people who they didn't necessarily like each other. They, they liked the people who were like them in the church. But they didn't treat people who weren't like them very well. Right? Corinth was a place that was about competitiveness. That was about like, you know, like moving up to the next rung of using people, of... Of, of not necessarily even respecting people who, were, who, who weren't the same as you, right? These were people who knew how to divide groups. They knew how to not work together as a team. And he's, and he's writing this, and he's telling them first and foremost, he said, when I came to you, I came with one message, and it was Christ and him crucified. Right? That's so important. And he talks about he came to preach this gospel, to them, right? And then he, he kind of shares with them. He wants to open their eyes. He's like, man, guys, look at the church around you. There's factions. There's cliques. There's, there's groups that don't respect or love one another. There's lawsuits going on among you. Like you're actually taking brothers and sisters to court rather than settling them together, right? There's divorce among you. There's all of these things happening that are just like breaking apart the fabric of this community, and then, so a couple weeks ago, he got into this idea of, of uh, being able to, like, use spiritual gifts, okay? So he was, he was kind of letting them know, hey, here's where you guys are. Now let's move forward here. And he starts talking to them, and he says, actually, what's really cool is that God has put the Holy Spirit inside of you, and he actually will activate the Holy Spirit, it says in chapter 12, verse 7, to accomplish what needs to be accomplished. It's what's beneficial to the church, right? And to a Corinthians, they're like, that's awesome. That's really fantastic. That's amazing. But at the end of chapter 12, he says, but I'm going to show you a better way. Okay, that's really fantastic, but I'm going to show you a way. And he goes into what Steve preached last week, which was 1 Corinthians 13. Right? It's that famous chapter. It's all about love. It's one of those chapters where, quite honestly, we all love it. We love the information that's in it. 
But remember, Paul wasn't passing along information. He says, no, this is actually the most excellent way, the most excellent way to live, the most excellent way not just to know some information, but this actually like becomes the fabric of who we are, not just as people, but as a community, that God is love. And so he's like brings all of this together. And then we start getting into chapter 14 here. And this is where we're going to pick up. Uh, right here in verse 1, we're going to read to, uh, let's see, we're going to read to the first 25 verses here, okay? Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, and above all that you may prophesy. For the person who speaks in another language is not speaking to men, but to God, since no one understands him. However, he speaks mysteries in the Spirit. But the person who prophesies speaks to people for edification, encouragement, consolation. The person who speaks in another language builds himself up, but he who prophesies builds up the church. I wish all of you spoke in other languages, but even more that you prophesied. The, perf- the person who prophesies is greater than the person who speaks in languages unless he interprets so that the church may be built up. But now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in other languages, how will I benefit you unless I speak to you with a revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? Even inanimate things that produce sounds, whether flute or harp, if they don't make a distinction in the notes, how will what is played on the flute or harp be recognized? In fact, if the trumpet makes an unclear sound, who will prepare for battle? In the same way, unless you use your tongue for intelligible speech, How will what is spoken be known? For you will be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different kinds of languages in the world, and all have meaning. Therefore, if I don't know the meaning of the language, I'll be a foreigner to the speaker. The speaker will be a foreigner to me. So also you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, seek to excel in building up the church. Therefore, the person who speaks in another language should pray that he can interpret. For if I pray in another language, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with the spirit, and I will also sing with my understanding. Otherwise, if you praise with the spirit, how will the uninformed person say amen at your giving of thanks, since he doesn't know what you're saying? For you may very well be giving thanks, but the other person is not being built up. I thank God that I speak in other languages more than all of you. Yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding in order to teach others also than 10,000 words in another language. Brothers, don't be childish in your thinking, but be infants in regard to evil and adult in your thinking. It's written in the law, I will speak to these people by people of other languages and by the lips of foreigners. And even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. It follows that speaking in other languages is intended as a sign, not for believers, but for unbelievers. But prophecy is not for unbelievers, but for believers. Therefore, if the whole church assembles together and all are speaking in other languages and people who are uninformed or unbelievers come in, out of your mind. But if all are prophesying and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convicted by all and is judged by all. The secrets of his heart will be revealed, and as a result, he will fall face down and worship God, proclaiming God is really 
among you. Okay. There's a ton of things, but here's the crazy thing. It, it, can, it can sound like there's a lot there, and really, he's, we're, we're going to look and see something. He's really about one thing in this section. All right, and, and we're, and we're going to dig into that. Let me share with you a little bit of my own embarrassment as a preacher, okay? Is when I'm studying things out, um, and I don't know if you've ever had this experience before, uh, but, you know, you keep growing as a disciple. There isn't a place where you're just like, yeah, I've reached everything. I've, like, reached that point. And as I've studied Corinthians, it's been embarrassing to me how I've used Corinthians in the past. Here's the embarrassment, okay, is my extent of using 1 Corinthians 14 historically has been to either prove or disprove, essentially it is to, to rail against or disprove against the spiritual gift of speaking in tongues. All right, and some of your versions of your Bible, it doesn't say other languages, it says speaking in tongues. And that's like this hot topic for, in some traditions that you, you may come from. In Christianity, where that's like the thing. Like, can you speak in tongues? Can't you speak in tongues? Do you? Should you? What does God do? And, and that was the entirety of how I'd use this. And I would use it to basically, like, prove that my point was right. Okay. And here's the crazy thing. You know, you've heard me say this before, right? A text taken out of context is a pretext right? If we take something out of context, if it wasn't what the original hearers would have heard, we're off base, okay? And, and, and so why do I say this? Is because we do this with a lot of things in the Bible. Like, we try to take something out of it that was never in it to make our point. Instead of going, hold on a minute, let me stop trying to make my point and let me hear what Paul is teaching here. And he starts out with something really important, okay? Because ultimately his whole point has nothing to do with speaking in tongues or not. Nothing. Look, look at verse 1 right there. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. All right? You remember when we first looked at spiritual gifts two chapters before? 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 12. If you didn't, go back there real quick. Let's look at that just to get a... Uh, Look, let's look at verse 7, okay, in 1 Corinthians 12. A demonstration of the Spirit is given to each person to produce what's beneficial. To one is given a message of wisdom through the Spirit, another a message of knowledge by the same Spirit, another faith by the same Spirit, another healing, another performing miracles, another prophecy, another distinguishing between spirits, another different kinds of languages, to another interpretation but one in the same spirit is active in all these, distributing to each person as he wills, okay? So let's keep that in mind is God is giving us like something very, it's very simple. He's saying, I have my Holy Spirit inside my people. I'll distribute the gifts as I see necessary, okay? So, so here's what I'm going to encourage you guys to not fall into what I've fallen into in the past in this. Okay, it, it's, here's the deal. If God chooses to distribute his gifts at his will when the king decides to do it, our goal isn't to try to discern when and where that will happen. Okay, that's not our spiritual act of worship. See, oftentimes that's what we get into, right? Is we're like, who knows the most? Instead of going, hold on a minute, let's, let's read this story here. Paul says, pursue love 
and desire spiritual gifts, okay? So, so here's the thing, and, and what's crazy about this is how many times as we read that did you hear the word build or built up? Continually, verse 4 and 5 and 12 and 17, you see all these times, and Paul is trying to get us to see that, hey, there's something I want my people to know. There's something I want the Corinthians to know, is that instead of being really good at tearing down, be really good at building up, all right? But here's the crazy thing. We've got to kind of know who we are on the inside, right? Because Paul is saying, hey, listen, here's to, to specifically to the Corinthians, Y'all, not so much on the speaking in other languages. Not so much. Because, see, he says, when you speak in another language, he says, it's just about you. Okay? You go, but Keith, tell us the nature of that. What was it like? And what was all these things happening? Well, Paul doesn't go into that at all. Do they have a history of this in their own pagan worship? Absolutely. They have a history of it. Were there people in the church, like, just uttering things for no particular reason? Yes, absolutely. Was Paul, like, going after that? No, he's saying, hey, if you say you are, let me tell you something. If no one knows what you're saying, it's just about you. That's it. Okay? So it's time to start thinking through this because, again, we want to do spiritual things to confirm our spirituality. He's saying, hold on a minute, there actually is a reason here. There's a reason that God actually would give the gift of speaking in another language. And we read about it in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 19. Every time there's a group that doesn't know the gospel, God equips his people to communicate with them whether or not they know the language they speak. Okay, we see that consistently, very clearly, all right? And so that in and of itself, what am I leaving you with? I'm going, I don't know where you stand on all of these things, but what we have to do is to be able to take what our experience and our beliefs are and put it up against the Bible and say, does this even match up? All right, because if we start making weird rules about all these things, and we have these weird beliefs, like everyone does it, like, like, man, everybody can speak in tongues. No, no, that was never the case. Not everybody could speak in a different language. And, and here's the other thing. If it was so great, why would Paul be telling them, like, hey, back off on that? Because he knew who they were. That at their core, they were self-centered. At their core, they were about drawing attention to themselves. At their core. Now, here's the interesting thing, though, okay? All right, Bef before we get too hard on the Corinthians... Here's the interesting thing. Paul is like, I see that you guys are eager to have these gifts. Okay, isn't it easy when we talk to people to just like squash them? Right, they're not doing the right thing. So man, I have to squash you out to keep you from doing the wrong thing. And Paul is going, no, no, I see what y'all are doing. Okay, and we can imagine like what we know historically of the Corinthian church is you had some chaos when the group got together. You had some chaos. You had people talking all over the place. You had, other, you had people just saying noises. You had other people trying to teach. You had all of these going on. And, and could you imagine, Paul, most likely, how great would it be for him to get up and go, y'all stop, just be quiet, shut up. Okay, except he's like, this is what he says. He says, I see, I see what you guys want to do. I see that you want to please God. I see you want this so badly, but let me teach you about who you are. Right? You're independent. You guys, he's already made this case. 
You're, you're about trying to be the best. Like, oh, man, speaking in tongues is so awesome. It makes me better than everyone else. It's like, no, y'all don't need that. You already excel in the sin of self-promotion. He says, here's what I want you to excel in. Excel in prophecy. Okay. Before we go further, though, it's really important that we know who we are. All right. I can't guarantee you that if Paul was here, he would say this exact message to us because we're a little bit different, okay? But we have to know who we are. We're narcissistic. We're independent. We're complainers. We're armchair quarterbacks, okay? Let, let's be very clear about that. That's not, man, why is Keith so critical? Listen, look around. That's us, okay? I, I, until we get to a place where we're like, man, you want to know what? People might not actually care about the picture of the food I'm eating. And, and, and what's crazy about that is, is listen, half y'all in here can go, that's just an old dude. Listen, here's the deal, man. It don't matter how old you are. No one wants to see a picture of your food. No one cares about you that much. You're not that important. Okay, and that's part of our problem, though. I'm not railing on social media. I'm like, it's here. Let's use it for its best purposes. Let's, but let's use it as disciples. Okay? But this idea that everyone wants to know what I'm doing all the time, and then I'm like so, like, I only got how many likes? I got oh, how many hearts? I got only, you know, and that's like our emotional stability. Guys, that's called narcissism. Understand how bad that is. All right? When Jesus said, listen, if you deny, you can't follow me unless you deny yourself. You can't be a narcissist and a Christian at the same time. You can't be. All right? And, and so unless there's like this, and he's telling the Corinthians, unless there's a radical departure from your selfishness and a radical departure from your independence, you can't be a Christian. But I think we need to be real about who we are as well. Like, there needs to be a radical departure, okay? And so here's the deal is, is, is I don't know what technology is going to do. It's around. Social media is around. Let, here's the, let's use it distinctively the way Christians should use it. How about that? All right? It should be used differently than, than just, hey, look at me and how many likes and how many all these things. And let me, like, pour out everything. I can't tell you. Maybe this is just me. But I think you do it, too. You read things people put, and you're like, I don't even care. Or you read it and you get a bad attitude about that person. Or you read it and you think you're not measuring up enough. Okay? It never produces anything good. And, man, we're just like chomping at the bit. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Okay? But we have to be real about who we are. Now, he will say this. I think this is where we have in common. I think Paul would say, hey, here's the deal. I don't think y'all need to be showboating with the tongues. I don't think y'all need to be doing that. But he says here, prophesy. All right, and that, there's a word. He's going, oh, gosh, that's just as weird. <laughs> I mean, fortune teller? Yeah, like I'm going to tell what's going to happen next week or next month or next year. All right, except here, let, I'll put you at ease. That's not what it means. <laughs> okay. There's a small aspect of that in the Old Testament that God did let the guys know, but it was very, very small. Here's what prophesy is about, but let's actually take it just from, just from Paul's own mouth here, okay? Let's look uh, in verse 4. Uh, the first, chapter 14, verse 4. 
The person who speaks in another language builds himself up. But he who prophesies builds up the church. Uh, just above that in verse 3, the person who prophesies speaks to people for edification, encouragement, and consolation. Here's what that word means. To be a prophet is to teach, proclaim, edify, encourage, console according to God's word. All right? That's the gift of prophecy. All right? Now, here's the deal is, is every disciple is supposed to be a prophet already. Okay, this is like the spiritual gift of like, man, even more like, like I'm blowing it up on you. Okay. But he said, here's what I want you to desire, desire that spiritual gift of prophecy to be able to take God's word and proclaim it and edify and encourage and console and love and, and reprove, rebuke sometimes, right? Is use God's word in a way that builds up the church. And that's what he really spends the majority of the chapter talking about. And he's trying to get them to see, you know, the different language thing and all of these things. Okay, that's cool. He said, it can, the church can be built up in that way if there's actually someone who can understand it. So let me give you an example. If all of a sudden I started speaking like German, and I didn't know German, but there were some folks from Germany here who had never heard God's word ever, and God enabled me to do that, that would be absolutely miraculous. That would be the gift of the Holy Spirit of speaking in other languages, right? Not, down here he says, it's not, for un, it's not for believers. It's for unbelievers. Isn't that weird? Is Paul not about the mission any longer, though? I'm confused a little bit, right? I mean, you go, hold on a minute, Paul. You're telling them to do something that just builds up church? But you're telling them not to desire the spiritual gift that actually is for unbelievers. He, he even said, he goes, man, if people come in and they just hear you like saying things that nobody can understand, they'll think you're out of your mind. But Paul understood something, right? Is that how we work together as a community determines the disciples we make. You can't skip that step. You can't have a community of people who don't love, who aren't together, who aren't unified, who don't edify and encourage and console and, and speak truth to one another. You can't have a community of faith that is dysfunctional in that regard who makes disciples. Okay, Paul was a master church builder. Like, we're, not, we're not taking any shortcuts. Okay, I'm not going to encourage you to go over here to be doing this. I'm going to encourage you to desire the spiritual gift of building one another up, to build the church up. Now, here's what's crazy. As he says this, and he, and, he, and he tells them, he says, I see that you desire spiritual gifts. It makes me feel like we need to pump the brakes a little bit for us. Because he, the Corinthians may have us on this one. He's, he's looking out at a Corinthian church, or he's sitting down with a Corinthian church, or wherever they are, writing to them. And he's saying, I see the ambition you have in Jesus. I see how much you want this for Jesus and for the kingdom. That may be where we depart. Because we have to ask ourselves a question. 
would Paul have to say that to me? Like, hey, Keith, back off just a second. I see how desperately you want to be used by God. Let's readjust you. Or would he have to come to us and say, guys, I need you to be desperate about following Jesus. Those are two different things. The Corinthians were messing up, but they were like wanting to be used by God. I think oftentimes we come together and what we want is God just give me what I want and I'll be happy. Like that's what my pursuit is. I think that's where he would change things for us. I think it wouldn't be, I see how desperately you want the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I don't think he would say that about just Christians in general. The truth of the matter is, is you have to like dig into yourself to know. Because I know for a fact, as I look around, there's an awful lot of people I can look at and go, man, the exact thing that Paul would say is, I see how desperately you want to be used by God. And what's really great is we see the grace of God here. Hey, you might be like imperfectly doing this. I'm going to give you a chance to like, hey, get it on straight. I'm going to give you this message. But man, keep it up. I like that ambition. I like that you want what's best for the kingdom. You're just kind of selfish about it. And you're all about this craziness. It's let me just adjust you. Where would you have to be adjusted? Right? Where, where would he have to go, hey, come, just, just over here. I see how much you want to build up the church. I need to, or, or would he ask you, like, listen, pick it up, man. Because here's, listen, the, the first verse told us everything we need to know. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, okay? Just want them. But pursue love. Like, there's an action word there. Pursue. Like, you are going after something. Like, you are chasing something. Like, you are eager to have something. He says, that's what I want you to actually do. Pursue love. Hey, here's the deal. Desire spiritual gifts. So, so I think that's what we can hear. Hopefully, you and me, hopefully, we desire spiritual gifts. Hopefully, we want those in order to be used by God in a greater way. I want to have a spirit of wisdom. I want to have a spirit of prophecy. I would, I would love to have a spirit of healing. I would love those things. But here's what I know. That our king, God, will decide when and where those will be used. His church will not be turned into a circus. Okay, there is very specific ways that God uses things, okay? He says, that's fine. Desire those things. That's a good thing. But pursue love. Now, now, that would be where the rubber meets the road, I think. Could we be accused of that? Man, Clemson Foothills Church, they try to pursue love too much. I mean, they're, again, those are words that you go, man, that'd be awesome. Okay? Except, hold on a second. What are, like, you know about you, okay? That's it. Like, you and God, you know. Like, what are you pursuing? Because I think it's easy to go, man, Keith, I don't know what that means. What does it mean to pursue love? I don't know. Except, do you want to know what? We tend to pursue things that we want, no matter how much we know about them or not. Okay, let me give you an example. No one had to teach me in middle school. No one. 
had to try to find a girlfriend. No one had to. There was nobody that was like, okay, Keith, here's what you do. You do this. I was like, I'm pursuing that junk. I'm getting after that. There's nothing that will stop me. I don't care how embarrassing I look. I don't care. All I knew was, man, cute girl. I'm like, dee, 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 dee. You know, just, just let it fly, man. Okay, now, hey, it took me about 30 years to learn, okay? But no joke, man. The things we want to do, the things we actually pursue with all of our hearts, we rarely sit around and wait for somebody to tell us how to do them. We get after it, all right? That, that really is just how we are. So what does that mean? What, what we're pursuing right now is what we want to pursue, all right? If it's your job and it's your profession, okay, don't say, but I really want to be spiritual. No, 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 no. You want to pursue your job and your profession. We do what we want to do. You are doing right now what you want to do, all right? If you want to worry about money, it's because you want to do that, all right? If, if you've got everything else going on in your life, because here's what this verse does that I love. It requires us to stop and pray and meditate because it's not that simple, is it? Like bills are still due. You have to go to work. All right. Your parents will want you to graduate from college. OK, like the, the goal here isn't to go, OK, well, if I if I flunk out and I don't have a job, maybe Jesus will be happy. No, 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 no. But what I love about this little snippet is it requires me and you to go somewhere quiet and to start thinking about what does that mean? Because there's a lot in there. But what is what is love? Well, <laughs> he just gave us a whole chapter. Okay, 1 Corinthians 13, he gave this entire chapter, right? 1 John chapter 4, he says, well, if you want to know even more about it, if you don't love your brothers, you can't love God. And it requires us to slow down. Is it that simple, do you think? Like, it's that simple. If I just really deal with the business in my life, I could grow spiritually. but I don't have enough time, right? We don't have enough time. Or we got too many things going on. But I got family group, and I got quiet times, and I got what's being preached. I don't have time for all of these things. It makes me sad when people say, I didn't have time to be in the Word today. It, it makes me sad. Because you want to know what? I, I've worked in campus ministry a long time. I, I've, I've been in church ministry for a while. You know what I've never had somebody say to me? I've never had a guy or anybody say, you want to know what, Keith? I just don't have enough time to surf porn. But I know a lot of guys that spend a whole lot of time doing it. They seem to find time. Man, I don't have time to do this. I don't have time to do all these other little things. In my, but it's amazing what we do have time for. When we want it. When we want it. Everything else can go by the wayside. Paul's goal is this. Let me help the Corinthian church become a church of missionaries. Gospel-centered. Helping people learn to become disciples. But unfortunately, what can end up happening is, is we end up like wanting to just be a really neat club that like each other. Right? They were all caught up in these things here. And he's saying, this isn't just about this church here liking one another. It's about a group of people on mission. It's about a group of people. Remember, Paul said a couple chapters before, 
I've become all things to all men in order to win some. That's where this becomes very real. Because if, if we remove the mission of Christ, then again, the church just gets kind of weird. Like, you mean I got to see the same people every week and I got to try to love them and they're the same unlovable people and, you know, you're just kind of bored. Instead of this idea of, man, no, we're moving forward as missionaries so we don't get caught up in all of these spiritual gifts. He's like, yeah, desire it, pursue love. Pursue love. Right? Pursue love. That means outside of ourselves. That means outside of like just what I want right here. Right? Pursue love. But if we don't have a chance to stop long enough to think about everything that comes with that. Okay? Because if we're going to pursue love, we're going to have to be thoughtful. We're going to have to be intentional. We're going to have to be focused. We're going to have to be spiritually sharp. We're gonna, it's going to require some things here, not just to try harder, but that are going to require some training, right? It, it, it stinks if you just try to try harder. All right, you, you, have you ever done that in anything before? You're just like, I'm just going to try harder. And it just never turns out that good. Okay, you, you either end up feeling really bad about yourself or really good about yourself, right? Like prideful or just insecure. But this verse, pursue love, is about being trained. It's about being trained. It's about training. Right? As I've said before, we could decide as a church that this year, let's run a marathon together. Yeah, let's do that. Why not? We could do it. Everyone in here, I guarantee you, you could do it. But it's not going to be try trying harder. It's going to be through training. I guarantee you, okay, <laughs> is we could do it, but it's going to be training over time. And so how big a deal is this going to be for us to go, hold on a minute, I hear, Paul, what you're saying. You're talking about we need to excel in building up the church, like desire the spiritual gifts that build up, that edify, that, that are consoling, that are teaching. Let me, okay, and, and, and as I do that, let me pursue love. And that's where it just requires us to pray, to be silent, to meditate. What does that look like every single day? And it may require that we say no to something. It may require we say no to something good in order to accept something better. Unless your pursuit is something else. All right? And, and again, maybe I'm not the greatest example of this. All right? Um, I've noticed since we've moved to Clemson how quickly people want to get out of college. <laughs> like, I'll take 20 hours, right? Anybody, y'all play... I'm going to take 18 hours. I'm going to take 20 hours. I'm going to take all these things going. Are you crazy? But I got to get out quick. Why? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't understand that. Well, well, it's really expensive. Well, maybe you should have pumped the brakes a little bit, you know? But, but we want to get out of things so quickly that every, and, and here was my thing in college, okay? And you're going, man, but you didn't get a good degree. I got a good degree, okay? 
Man, I was like, you want to know what? I'm going to take 12 hours a semester. That's what I'm going to take. And you want to know what? It took me an extra year to finish. Man, I'm really regretting that now. No. I don't care. <laughs> okay? I don't at all. But the thing about it is, is if I go up to 15 and 18 and 20 and all these things, now all of a sudden you want to know what? Man, my pursuit of getting out, my pursuit of a job, my pursuit of a degree, my pursuit of all those things, I look at my schedule and I go, I can't fill anything in there because it's all filled up. Right? Just like a job, just like in a job, we may need to talk to our bosses and say, no, no, you want to know what? I can't work those extra hours. <laughs> that, like Sometimes that has to happen. That even in school, sometimes you have to go, maybe I need to take less hours. But you're going to be in another semester or another year. You must be a failure. What? Because you guys that are out of college, y'all wish you were back in. <laughs> huh, Lauren. <laughs> oh, man. I wish I'd have taken 10 hours a semester, you know? But, but that's my point. That's, that's what I'm talking about here is, is we have pursuits and we fill our lives with those pursuits. And then we look at our schedules and go, I can't move anything. And what Paul would say is change your pursuit. Change your pursuit. Pursue love. Chase after. Be eager to get there. Be eager to have this. Okay. And then at the end, so we have this kind of thesis state, statement right here. Um, and then in verse, uh, let's just pick up in 24. But if all are prophesying and some unbeliever or uninformed person comes in, he is convicted by all and is judged by all. The secrets of his hearts will be revealed, and as a result, he will fall face down and worship God, proclaiming, God is really among you. Right? That, that right there is what happens when a community of people following Jesus, they stop everything and say, I'm pursuing love. I'm pursuing love. I'm not pursuing getting rich. I'm not pursuing being something. I'm not pursuing like, like, like becoming what my family wants me to become. I'm not going to pursue those things. I'm going to pursue love, and I'm going to desire spiritual gifts, and I'm really, really, really going to want to live in a way that God uses me in his kingdom. All of us. So this is going to require us. So here's the deal is we're going to leave here from that. And you may come back next week and go, I didn't spend any time thinking about that. Okay. Listen, my, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm not trying to make you feel ashamed. I'm not trying to make you feel anything. But understand that is the condition of your heart. That's the condition of your heart. Go, I won't stop and think about this more. I won't consider other ways. I won't consider that. I'm pursuing what I want to pursue, and God, you're going to give me what I want. Okay, That's very different than what he's saying here. Okay, So um, we're going to have our last song right here, and the singers can come on up, and the song we're going to be singing is Praise Heard Around the World. Right? And here's the interesting thing about that. It, again, these are the things that we love to hear. We're like, man, that is awesome. I love that. How do you accomplish something like that? to where something in Clemson can affect all around the world. How does that happen, okay? All right, it isn't one superstar that goes out and starts doing things, right? It's when every single group that has access to this Bible says, you want to know what we're going to do? We're going to pursue love. 
We're going to pursue what builds up the church. That's what we're going to do. And so the song isn't even about, hey, let us go and do this. But this is just the overflow of what God is. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about us or have any questions, please visit ClemsonFoothills.com. You can also text Foothills to 94000 to stay up to date on everything going on here at CFC.